Welcome. Welcome, St. Louis City fans, to this special throw-in episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and with me today is Sean Campbell. And what we're going to do is we're going to preview the upcoming game this Saturday against Portland and also give a little rundown about what happened this past week in MLS. And we're going to jump right to it uh, for this show. And uh, first off, we got a little bit of uh, St. Louis City SC news. Uh, City has signed 25-year-old defender Lucas Bartlett. You might remember the name. He was a trialist with the club in the preseason. Uh, His deal is one year with two option years. uh, And he was selected sixth overall by FC Dallas in the 2021 MLS Super Draft. Spent all of last season with Dallas's MLS Next Pro team. Meanwhile, the club also announced that uh, they took uh, center back Joachim Nielsen, put him on the MLS injury reserve list. Not a surprise at all. Uh, this means he's ineligible for six or more MLS league season games. Also, any other games like U.S. Open Cup or League's Cup, if that falls in the window. Uh, we already knew he wasn't going to play until May at the very earliest anyway. Uh, this frees up a roster slot until he returns. Uh, on that so that's one reason for the move and go ahead and make it official and put him on the list the only surprise is this wasn't done earlier i i wonder if maybe part of it was that they didn't have the slot to sign bartlett until they put him on injured reserve um and then when he comes back they may have to send someone down to city too could be you know what i didn't take time to actually look at that as i set up for the preview and everything else i got it pretty late today so I didn't get a chance to look at that. Well, I mean, that, that just means you got it as it broke, because it really broke late today, Wednesday as we're recording. So Yeah, but uh, that be as it is, that's the moves that were made. And uh, after the great start for City, the electrifying home match and win against Charlotte, 2-0, St. Louis City will head into this Saturday's game against the Portland Timbers at Providence Park in Portland. This will be played Saturday, 9.30 p.m. Central Time for the local 7.30 in Portland uh, with the windows as they roll. going to be a little bit of a late one. Uh, Your announcers in English for the game will be Mark Ragondino, uh, not familiar with his name, and Heath Pierce. Spanish announcers on that side of the broadcast will be Rodolfo Landeros and Martin Zuniga. on the Apple TV broadcast. Of course, we know Santiago Beltran and uh, others will be doing the radio uh, broadcast in Spanish in the St. Louis area. Taking a look at Portland's team in their last match, uh, they lost 3-2 at LAFC, the defending MLS Cup champions. Sounds like a nice scoreline. Eh, kind of uh, flattered the Timbers on this one as LAFC was up 3-0 through the first 60 minutes. At that point, Timbers coach Giovanni Savarese switched to a back three, brought in a bunch of subs. They kind of were impactful and kind of changed the match and evened it up a bit. Uh, You got Nathan Fogaccia came up front for uh, Nisgoda. Christian Paredes came in, Claudio Bravo as fullback, and uh, Larry's Malbiala came in as the third 
make a back three for them with three center backs. Another thing that happened in this match is the big offseason signing for Portland Evander. The Brazilian scored his first uh, Timbers and MLS goal on a nice counterplay. And uh, late in the match, uh, the 3-2 scoreline was met when Christian Paredes scored a goal on a scramble in the box. Part of that was facilitated by a uh, kind of nice uh, Nathan Fogaccia overhead kick to put the ball back into the mixer. It was a mess, and uh, Paredes was the last one to get to it, knocked it in the net. Injuries coming into this uh, weekend's match. Portland, they're being really harmed by injuries, and that's a good thing for the home team. Um, they've got Felipe Mora is out with a knee injury. Sebastian Blanco's out. David Ayala, Daron Espria, also a knee injury. And uh, Jimmy Chara out with a right hamstring. Uh, that's a lot of attacking talent there uh, that they're going to be missing and defense as well. It, it seems like that injury bug that really destroyed Seattle last year moved a little bit further north. Or is that south? South to Portland. And, and now Portland is the, the team being plagued by all of the injuries. Yep. Uh, City not harmed too much. Uh, right now we know Nilsson's out and... Uh, Isaac Janssen is uh, questionable. He hasn't really been performing. He's got a little knock, and so he hasn't been there. We'll see if he actually makes it to the bench. Um, not really counting on him yet getting in the match, but, <laughs> you know, we're a brand-new team. Who knows? I didn't um, think Miguel Perez would get a run out in that first game, and here he is subbing into second. both games yeah, and doing yeah. very well in his, you know, warranted limited yep. minutes. But still, as a 17-year-old homegrown, Still showing up. So, as we look forward to this weekend's matchup, uh, let's take a look at Portland and some of the strengths that we find. One of the ones that I look at is that midfield spine. Lutz talked about trying to get that from the back to the front on uh, when he set up the roster for St. Louis City. Uh, they've got a good one in the midfield with Diego Chara in the back. Eric Williamson uh, being more of the box-to-box in Evander as the playmaking number 10. That's a pretty strong setup there and a lot of talent. Another key to them is Eric Williamson has a great ability, one of the best in MLS, at just being able to carry the ball through the midfield to facilitate attack. He's very good doing that on the dribble. He can do it with a pass as well. Uh, so something to watch out for him. Uh, Evander is has a great talent and uh, the ability to be a playmaker or score. Uh, from what I've seen from his time overseas on video, he seems to be most dangerous on the break. Um, and he has the ability to score from anywhere in the attacking third. Uh, the highlight videos really show him within his uh, career having some long-range golazos. So you've got to be aware of him anywhere, uh, even from long, long distance. Luckily, it doesn't seem like he's fit in that well with his teammates, hasn't really settled in, doesn't know their styles of play yet. And that's a plus for playing them early in the season for City. Uh, we know one thing about Portland over the years. This is a relentless team. They've proven very capable of scoring very late to get a result, whether it be a tie or a win. They almost did that against LAFC. And uh, every season under Gio uh, Savarese, uh, they tend to try to start the season trying to develop as a more of a possession type squad but they really revert to where they are really most effective, which is a defend and counter team on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the Portland Timbers have always been very effective on the quick breakout. Um, I will say one of the big differences and because you guys might hear us talking about, oh, we're, you know, city's good on the breakout too. You know, we win the ball and then quickly turn over to attack in a, in a counter Portland is, they seem to sit back a little bit more historically. They've had a better back line and can sort of weather the storm from really strong attacking teams and, and win the ball by cutting out of that final pass and then building out of the back and turning it into a quick counterattack. Um, and 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 looking in, into who they have right now, they're still trying to do that, and it they got really burned really badly by by LAFC last week. Uh, it seems they're really missing that key piece of the, of their backline in Tuiloma, who you might remember from last week, who gave us our first official goal. Um, but that that being said, they're they're really good at at counterattacking. They're usually good at being defensively stout but once they get that ball back they do like to build out of that back and get it wide as quickly as possible because usually they have some very fast d wingers um on the left back and right back position that like to fly up and down those wings and are comfortable enough in possession that they can take a guy on and then pass it back to those touch points in the middle um and so in doing so on the defensive side, they'll have plenty of people centrally located. They'll clog that midfield and try to drive the ball out wide where they can win the ball a little bit easier and then turn it up vertical real quick. Yeah, uh, but that also leads into one of their weaknesses is that their fullbacks are very much uh, attack-oriented more than defensive. And uh, as you hit upon going ahead and shipping Tulioma out right before the start of the season, uh, I listened to a couple of uh, Portland, uh, you know, focused podcasts, and they're very, very concerned about their center back situation with him gone. Uh, another thing that they're weak on, and it really showed against LAFC, they are terrible against set pieces, especially corners. In the first half, LAFC put the ball in the back of the net on three straight corners. Uh, one of them was called back with a very soft foul. Uh, they should have had three goals just off of corners in the first half. Uh, and uh, also in the first half, they looked very disjointed in their attack. They were pretty toothless, uh, especially for the first 60 minutes till the subs came in. It got a little bit better, but their goals were scored on the counter and in a chaotic scramble in front of the uh, net. Uh, another weakness for Portland really stood out in that game against LAFC last week is LAFC runs a very effective counterpress, well-known to City fans. Uh, they really cause the Timbers a lot of trouble with that. And uh, for those that might not know, a counterpress is really when you lose the ball, immediately press the other team and try to get the ball right back. Uh, that's something City really focuses on, something LAFC does very well, and they had great effectiveness with that, especially in those first 60 minutes that LAFC dominated Portland. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that kind of comes, it's kind of turning their, one of their strengths into a weakness. Cause like I said a little bit ago, um, they've been historically defensively stout. They like to sit back and wait for the game to come to them almost. Um, and that in a, in a strong counterattacking team like LAFC or like City, they're going to, you know, it's going to cause problems. And with, with City pressing further up the field and winning those ball back, those balls back higher up on the pitch. They're not going to get any sort of break, and it's going to cause even more turnovers in their defensive half than they're probably even used to. 
and it's going to be an absolute nightmare for that back line. And they better hope and pray that they have some sort of energy drink on the side or even some protein to really restock at halftime. And if, cause if not, they're going to be so dog tired. Yeah. Looking up ahead to what we're going to love in this matchup, uh, like the, the counter press, counter press, LAFC picked them apart with that. Another one we hit upon is their weak back line. Zach McGraw is a very promising and talented young center back, but he's young, prone to mistakes. And uh, again, look for St. Louis City to take advantage of, air quotes, gifts from the other team that the high press actually causes uh, by causing mental fatigue, uh, panic situations, uh, causing people not prepared for it, especially early in the season. Take advantage of these. You'll, you'll be able to get gifts before teams and players start to settle in on the season. Uh, Going to love the fact that their fullbacks are more attacking-oriented than defensive. What that means is if the, count, if the high press works, they get it turned over, they're already bombing forward, they're out of position. And LAFC often had their defense scrambling uh, on turnovers, just scrambling. And uh, their bad uh, work in possession in the attack. Uh, they're really missing a productive striker. Yaroslav Nezgoda is an unconvincing DP who is often hurt. He started his MLS career coming off the bench, scored a lot of goals in short minutes. But uh, since he's gotten more game time, he's not that productive considering he's a designated player. As a matter of fact, Nathan Fogaccia looks more dangerous, but he's not starting now, Netsgoda has been, because he's the big money signing, he keeps going to run out, see if he can find his form. Seems like they really overpaid for a super sub, if you ask me. Yeah, uh, he scored a lot of goals over in the Polish League, but as we talked about with uh, Charlotte, uh, in the Polish League, scoring a lot of goals isn't really translating to similar success in MLS. Seversky's been pretty good for him. Uh, but they're really not getting the production they were looking for when they signed these guys out of the Polish league. Whether it's the players or the league, there's, you know, defense isn't as great in that league as it is in MLS. You know, it can happen. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and Portland is terrible on corners. As we've seen, our corners delivery has been fantastic. Uh, we've already got Tim Parker get a goal off of a corner. You know, he's only got th now, now got three goals in his MLS career, one of those with us. And uh, that's something to really take a look out for. And I mean, if they're going to be if they're bad on corners, they're more than likely bad on other set pieces. It seems like they just really lack the air superiority, for lack of better phrase, that, you know, a lot of teams have some decent players that can go up and get a ball and win it over a, over a center back. But when they're going to be going up against someone as as m towering as Joao Klaus, um, not having Tui Loma on that back line is really going to hurt him because Tui Loma is usually pretty good at getting up and winning those head balls over the tall guys. But if they're bad on corners, they're going to be bad on on other set pieces in and around the box. Um, and I, I really think Edward Lovin might get a, another goal. Surprise, surprise. Lovin might score again, everybody. Um, but no, I, I really think that, that set pieces, if we get, you know, however many we get and how dangerous they look could be very instrumental in, in really dry, ratcheting up this scoreline. Yeah. One of the podcasts I listened to is very worried about, uh, McGraw going up against, uh, uh, Klaus 
they're very worried about Klaus holding the ball up and doing a quick turn, and they're not so sure that McGraw's up for that battle. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, some of the things to hate about this matchup, and one of them is the schedule. It's a long trip to go play Portland in a fantastic environment at Providence Park. See how the team does it. You know, time difference. They'll be playing a little later than what they've been used to in St. Louis. I don't know how much that matters. The travel probably means more. Um, Timbers are very dangerous on the counterattack. They also have players that can break the press. Williamson can bring it out of the mid, uh, middle. Uh, Loria is very good one-on-one defender. Uh, don't look, uh, not looking forward to him getting isolated with a, uh, uh, one of the fullbacks for City that's out on an island. Uh, he makes poor decisions, but he can beat them. Uh, and another thing to hate is Diego Chara. Love to hate this guy. He's well, it just would be ageless. both Chara brothers, but the other one is hurt. So, but completely agree. These Chara brothers are absolutely nasty. And if you thought Blum was taking people out, ooh, buddy, do these two just destroy? They are the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Quintessential. The epitome of the destroyer holding midfielder. Yeah, Diego Chara. They'll probably give awards to uh, that position in MLS when he, and if he ever retires. Uh, and it's a good firsthand learning experience for Bloom being on the field with him. Exactly the kind of player that we want Blum to be. And Blum seems to have a little bit handle on the handling, possessing the ball than uh, Diego Chara has. Uh, so we'll see how that develops as his. Uh, career goes along uh the other thing you've got to hate about this is portland you know they just recently were in mls cup finals they didn't win uh they have a lot of experience on this team and a superior home environment it's going to be tough it's going to be tough for city i have to say that i do want to make sure that it is remembered by all of you lovely listeners that um back when city we were running through city two's season um, and we were signing these guys one by one coming over from Europe little by little. And Lutz had them come over and spend a lot of time in the city. A lot of them did make that trip up to Portland yep. to play uh, or to, to be with the team on City 2, even though they weren't playing in the game. So they're, they have been familiar, familiarized with what to expect about long distance travel and those long trips. But specifically they did travel to portland meaning they know exactly what to expect on this except maybe you know a little bit more conca caffiness there might be some people outside the team hotel that you know didn't weren't there when they were there with city too but just try to minimize that a little bit it may not be something to really freak out about in this one specific case no uh, no, and uh, one of the podcasts I was listening to mentioned they're going to be in the damp and the cold in Portland and hate their life. That's been the winter in St. Louis so far, so in this region. Don't think that's going to be much of a difference. Uh, so to summarize what we think coming into this game, uh, I'm thinking, though I don't know, that Bradley Cornell will come out with a little with a more defensive lineup than he ha- saw at the home match at City Park. Kind of goes without saying that's what you do when you're on the road in this game. Uh, so does that mean we get Rasmus Alm starting instead of Joachini? Do you have any idea, Sean? This, this team's so new, I really have no idea, to be quite honest. 
honestly, I think when it when it comes down to it, we'll likely see that four two three one we saw in Austin, um, and not the four four two that we saw it, uh, at in St. Louis yeah. against Charlotte, because with that four two three one that central midfielder that I assume is going to be Ostrak again because he did very well in that position against Austin can hold back and be more of a defensive player. He doesn't have to play a stereotypical number 10. He can be more of more of an eight allowing or even a six and let Loven be the proper eight. Uh, you can have that triangle rotate around and any one of them can play in any one of those three spots. Uh, the other point being Blum, of course, but uh I think we're coming in with that. It holds the the midfielders, the wing midfielders are going to be pretty standard. But instead of having two stand out high with like we saw with Joe Keady and with Klaus up top in the 4-4-2, we will see that attacking midfielder hold a little bit further back and really interrupt those the touch points on that spine that we have that that we have talked about about Portland between be it Williamson or Evander. Um so I, I definitely think it'd be that four, two, three, one. Um, as far as starting players, I don't see much of a change. Um, although Alm would be a better start over Joaquini because Joaquini does seem to have a more attack minded mindset going into the game. But I could see him coming on late if we really needed a goal and the game starting to open up. Yeah, it's uh, hard to see, say, both of them have had pretty bright starts for City. Um the thing is, Leuven got pushed forward in the attack. We've seen him be so brilliantly there. Uh, he's tied uh, for the league lead in uh, in tackles made so far. So he's also got a defensive presence. Might see him play more defensively than attacking. Uh, and also look to have Portland maybe try to hold more possession. You often see that at home as uh, the visitors tend to defend that kind of plays in City's hands, but we'll have to see how it works out. Portland uh, works best when they don't have possession, but we'll see how the how the game plays out. That doesn't mean that St. Louis won't have any opportunities to have possession. Portland may be willing to give it up at times. Can St. Louis actually create scoring opportunities? Uh, you know, while they're in possession in the attacking third, and uh, and try to you know, get past uh, Portland's defense that they can be pretty stout at when they're packed in. It's when they get on the transition that Portland's defense tends to fall apart more. I do believe that uh, City's press, and especially working the counter press, will be effective against Portland uh, on that. And uh, there's that real chance to create wonderful opportunities in the opponent's end because of the high press. It's really there. And uh, should exploit that as much as they can. That's the whole modus operandi of this system. Uh, Leuven and Evander do already look to be two of the best free kick takers in MLS. It'll be good to see them go head to head. Might see some goals coming off free kicks out of those two. They're they're talented. And uh, that's pretty much what I got to wrap it up. Any other thoughts about uh, what to expect out of this matchup against Portland, Sean? Yeah, I just wanted to go ahead and give my I, I I would like to make this a weekly thing, but I want to give my three keys to the city. I really like that phrase and I want to make it stick. So I'm going to do it as best I can. Um so as I've as we've already alluded to, key number 1, the clash of the counters. We know that 
both teams are very good on the counterattack. We press high, they sit back. There will be a lot of chances on for both teams to to put shots on net. Um, and I really doubt that Carnell's going to go with the uh, the aggressive offensive focus because we're in an away match. Um, again, with Portland being good on the counter and they like to play wide and be direct when they're out there. I think that some of the emphasis is going to be on Nelson and Nervinsky and how they can at- how they can affect that. Uh, but really what it's going to come down to here is whoever can get to their game first is going to dominate the game. It's not going to be uh, who gets their first wins, who gets their dominates it. If City can get to our press, you know, our high press, we will dominate this game. I still fully expect it to be wild back and forth, high octane, explosive soccer. And when Portland gets the ball, they're going to throw it forward and we're going to try, you know, City's going to come back and really put a lot of pressure on that ball and throw numbers at the ball to try to turn it around. Key number two is going to be that center back connection. Parker and Hebert are going to be absolutely crucial in this match because if this match gets to a high frenetic pace, Kyle and Tim are going to need to be on the top of their game because with Portland playing out wide, they're going to put a lot of good service in. And even though Nishgoda has not been on top of his game for finishing, they're still going to have to cut out a lot of balls and take some of the some of the emphasis off of Berkey having to come out off of his line all the time. And when they do get those balls, they need to be more precise in where they distribute it and and get it away from goal and out to Nervinsky or Nelson. Key number three is going to be catch them flat-footed. Like like I've said multiple times already, Portland is not a high-press team, but they are a counter-attack team. It's similar, but it's not synonymous. While we take the game to the opponent, what Portland does is they sit back and wait for the game to come to them. So if we can press high, press hard, and hem them in their own final third and in their own defensive third, it'll wear them out. They're constantly going to be on the defensive. And even if we don't put a ball in the back of the net, there's always going to be a danger in that attack. We can put together a string of attacking runs and some volleys into the into the box and really give their center backs fits, draw them out of position, and eventually one of those has to go in. Normally, when we have high possession, at least what we saw in City 2, things go bad for us. But I think this might be the change to that. And so just again, clash of the counters, and I think we'll get that one. Parker and Hebert need to be on their game, and I think they will be. Catch them flat-footed and hem them in. And I hope you're right. I hope they hit all those keys and unlock the third straight victory to start their MLS career and tie the all-time MLS record with the Seattle Sounders for starting out your career in MLS with three straight wins. Uh, Now it's time for the part I hate. Uh, Go ahead, Sean. I'll let you start. What's your prediction as how this one's going to end? Mike, you're just saying that because you know I'm going to be bold as all get out with this. I'm only saying that to save Mason a little bit of time on editing that. I, you know... But I'm only you're only saying that because you know I'm going to be bold. I'm coming out here and I think that St. Louis City is going to go into Portland and we're going to come out of there 4-1 over Portland with that one goal come with the one goal for Portland coming in about the 80th minute and then Berkey's going to come up big and really stop that comeback from doing anything else. Uh, and as we said last week, he's bold. He's optimistic. I'm a more pessimistic fan. Tend not to be bold. 
I do think City will have long stretches of being in control of this match. But Portland, I expect to fight back after what really was about three quarters of a game that they were embarrassed by LAFC. They're a good team. And I'm going to call it a 2-2 draw. So if we put that all together, City's going to win. Either way, a a point is a point. Three points is three points. Points are points as long as we come out of there with a point. That's a win in my book. And for anybody that's not used to really following the game, if you can go on the road and to especially a place like Portland and get a road point as an expansion team, that's a huge point. It's almost as big as getting a point in uh, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying in, say, Azteca. Almost. (laughs) Almost. But it's still good, uh, especially for an expansion team that's going to need points to stay competitive all season. You need to pick these kind of ones up. Uh, Better expansion teams get a few of these. It's very hard to win on the road in MLS. Very hard. Um, very hard to get a draw on the road on MLS. So if even a draw would be a very good result in just the third game for St. Louis City in MLS. 100%. It's, it's, in this league, if you can win the majority of your home games and get a point in half of your road games, and that draw in half of your road games, you're not just making the playoffs, you're getting a home game in the playoffs. Yeah. If you can get it's that, that done. Important. That's how important getting a point. It's really hard to get that. Yeah, really hard to get that many road points in MLS. But uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be late, Um, but uh, I'll be wide awake when the game time starts. uh, Watching on MLS Season Pass, uh, either from uh, watch party in my local area or sitting at home in the comforts of my own home. Uh, On that, looking forward to it very much in Go City. Now that we've taken a look at the upcoming match against Portland for St. Louis City, now something that uh, we like to do here, especially Sean and I, we've both been covering, M- uh, well, covering or really following MLS for a dozen years or more. And uh, we actually recorded an MLS roundup last week, but because of, uh, let's say, audio deficiencies, we had to scrub that. And when we re-recorded, we only did the preview. But uh, we like to keep up to date with what's going on all around the league. And uh, and covering all of this, I'll go ahead and throw it over to Sean. All righty. Well, getting this MLS wrap-up going, we'll start over in the Eastern Conference today. Uh, we've got a 1-1 draw in Atlanta between Atlanta United and Toronto FC. It seemed like Atlanta really ran this game. Toronto had a good start in the second half, and they took the lead there. But Atlanta didn't really let that last very long. Bernadeschi was the goal for Toronto. Rosetta was was the goal for Atlanta. Um, it really should have been 2-1 victory for Atlanta at home. But they had that ripped from their hands because of an offside call. And I have to say, if that was called offsides, so should have Charlotte's goal. Because they were just as close. But that's a different discussion that I'm sure we'll have on our next festivus episode so see that (laughs) coming up in about 10 months and in this one the uh, five stripes were a little better at their shot selection they were much closer to the goal but they're just so guilty still of creating many chances and then one of the players just goes off and takes a terrible shot and that's really their achilles heel been going on for so long you keep waiting for it to change boy is it ever going to change 
it really seems like they're just, you know, missing out on a clinical finisher. And speaking of clinical finishers, we have one in the league. That that would be Lucas Zellerayon in Columbus. Columbus wins 2-0 over DC United at home. And Zella is being Zella. And that's the this game shows the crew that we know the crew can be. They really seem to dominate this game. Uh, and while they were really dominant and, D- and Zella gets the brace, DC didn't look totally awful. Um, I'm still expecting to see more from them in 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 their effort going forward. I could really see them, you know, kicking on and having a few really good games, but I'm still not sure they're I'm still not convinced they're going to make the playoffs 100%. No, that they do look better than last year so far. Early days. Uh interesting note from this match. It's was the first sold out home opener in Columbus since 1999. Really guys? Really, Columbus? <laughs> is is that including when they when they opened Geodas Park, or is that Nashville? Am I That's co- the stat that I saw in multiple places put about after well, this game. If you're hearing this and I am in fact incorrect, uh, please let me know because I do not have the moment to go and double check myself. But that that you just were doesn't incorrect. Seem right. You were incorrect because he said Geodas Park. That's in Nashville. Ah, uh, that would make Another sense. yellow team. I, they're both yellow. They're both in the Eastern Conference this season. <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be confusing. One thing that is also very confusing, we have an upset in the Eastern Conference with Inter-Miami beating Philadelphia Union 2 to nothing. And I have to say this this goal, this, the, the goal from Robert Taylor that ended up winning goal of the week is is absolutely amazing. You have to see it. Ball gets crossed, you know, volleyed in the air across to him. He chests it down to himself, and before it even hits the ground, side volleys it, buries it in the back of that absolute goal of the year candidate already. And we're only in week two. It's absolutely gorgeous to watch. Uh, Corentin John with the other goal for Inter Miami. Uh, Philly had a, a late push in each half to try to find a goal, but they really didn't have any teeth in the attack, which is weird for them. Uh, But it looks like Miami might be doing just fine without Gonzalo Higuain. Yeah, they and uh, they are really looking good so far. They're not dominant by by any stretch, but they're just finding ways to win, and it's coming from way down in the roster. Kudos to Chris Henderson came in last year as the GM and really seems to ride it a sinking ship there in Miami. Kudos for them and to uh, uh, Phil Neville, who's doing a really good job now with that team as the head coach. Speaking of riding the ship, we've got uh, the Revolution, who seem to be doing better this year than they did last year after having the Supporter Shield campaign the year before. Um, in that first half against the Dynamo, which the game ended up 3 0, uh, in that first half, the Dynamo didn't look terrible. They looked to be trending towards a better team. But that second half was all revolution, and that's the only way you can you can see this game. Uh, the goal scorers were Dylan Borrero, Brandon Bay, and Bobby Wood. All three of them make the score sheet, and the revolution seemed to be the revolution we knew just a couple years ago, and it looks like last year was really just a, a big fluke. Yeah, another interesting stat. The Revs have now their first 2-0 and and start since, well, ever, ever. Aren't they an original club in MLS? 
<laughs> They've never started with two wins to start a season. A lot of that has to do, you know, all eyes are on Carlos Gil uh, on this team, but really start watching Dylan Barrero, Brandon Bay, and Dejon, Dewan Jones. These guys are really good, and they're really coming into their own. Uh, Revs look strong this year. They really do. Uh, I, I, I hope that last year was, in fact, a fluke for them. Um, but keeping it up in the Northeast, we've got the Red Bulls in New York hosting Nashville SC. There really isn't much to say about this one. There weren't really many good chances for anybody outside of one for Nashville that ended up being offside. Yeah, and uh, actually, uh, don't hold me to this, but I believe there wasn't an official shot on goal in this match. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. It, it's one thing so, to go nil-nil. It's another thing to go shotless officially. Yeah. And we've already given this game far much long more time than we ever should have. Exactly. What's next? The next one's another game that we really shouldn't spend too much time on because it was also a nil-nil draw that was fairly uneventful outside of uh, it was Orlando and hosting FC Cincy. And the only real thing to talk about here was Pedro Galese absolutely stealing a point at home, which really isn't something you should be saying. Uh, but... Pedro Glase was the bright spot of this entire match. He made some great saves since he had some good chances, but Pedro Glase being Pedro. Yeah, I didn't even watch this one, so I've got nothing to say. Now we'll start uh, talking a little bit of Western Conference here. Another fairly boring match, it seems, at least from what I saw. Austin FC was hosting CF Montreal, and they get the win here 1-0. And when it comes down to it, it was just two teams having a slugfest, and it came down to Senor Tejas himself, Maxi Arruti, to get that game winner super late. I want to say it was the 85th minute. It was pretty late. It was a pretty goal, though. But, uh, yeah, Austin with some trouble. They did uh, make a little move. They put their DP, uh, Alex Ring, in as a center back trying to shore up uh, a big gaping hole in the roster at current time. I, I think it's fair to say that they'd rather put literally anyone on the roster in that center back spot over Kip Keller after what happened in that first match. Yeah, but uh, Ring, if you remember years back oh, with NYCFC, uh, he was quite good in a three-back setup uh, playing center back for them and got pushed further forward because his distribution was so good. So it's not uncommon. They didn't just slap him in. He has a history in that position. I mean, that's that's definitely true. But at the same time, if your only true center back option is is someone who's better served up the pitch, you, it might be time to to answer some questions. And hopefully for them, Cascante comes back real quick. But speaking of NYCFC, let's go ahead and talk about their match real quick. They were at Chicago playing the fire. And that game ended up 1-1, and Pereira was the scorer for NYCFC. Herbers was the scorer for the was the goal scorer for the Fire. NYCFC looks like they still can't finish as much as they should because they had a lot a, a fair amount of chances and just either wide or it was a fairly easy shot directly at the keeper. Um, but on the flip side of that, the Fire seemed to have some fight in them and actually have well some fire to them this season. Yeah, the. The fire played better. Bad sign for them, though. A lot of uh, unfortunate things did uh, did not go their way uh, in this one. They're not getting any breaks. Doesn't bode well for them in the season. Another interesting note is Talis Magno, the young Brazilian um, who was so good for them last season on the wing. They've been trying him as a like a false nine, 
as a center forward. They had him back on the wing in this one. They looked a lot better. Something to keep an eye on for that team as they go forward. Moving it back out west, we've got FC Dallas hosting the LA Galaxy. And in this one, Chicharito is in fact still coming back from an injury and was reprimanded by the team for saying on Twitch just how long he would be out because they were not about to tell anyone else how long he'd be out. Um, so in his stead, Dehan Jovalich gets the start and he is the one that gets the Galaxy's lone goal in this. He got it late in the first half, I do believe, but uh, it turns out that Alan Velasco, Jesus Ferreira, and Paul Ariola had something to say about this because the three of them were in all three of the goals, being that Velasco scored one, Jesus had a brace for Los Toros, and Paul Ariola is just very important to that attack, whether he's scoring or assisting. Um, but it really seemed to be all Dallas after that first goal from the Galaxy, minus a late push from the Galaxy to try to claw one back. But in the end, FC Dallas seems to be in full form at this point, and what we really expected from the all-last season, minus that f- that fall apart there at the end leading up to the playoffs. And uh, on this one, the Galaxy's transition defense was just atrocious. And uh, Dallas really has the Galaxy's number. It's the second brace in two seasons against the Galaxy for Jesus Ferreira. It ends up also being, I want to say, third straight or fourth straight win for FC Dallas against the Galaxy, which <laughs> I, I don't know if that's, you know, a side of you know, ideological differences, or if it's just the fact that FC Dallas is trending in the right direction and the Galaxy are trending in the wrong direction. Could be any number of things. I think it has to do with the Galaxy's horrible defense. Yeah, they they don't seem to be signing anybody new. Um, Speaking of defense, though, let's get to a game that really didn't require any. We've got uh, Kroenke FC and that team from Kansas playing each other out in Colorado. And it, it, this one turned out to be a battle of the keepers. Um, both made some really good saves, although William Yarbrough made a few more and a few better ones. Uh, and it, it really wasn't a bad match to watch, but I think this is what most people think of when they think of a, a soccer match if they've never actually watched one themselves. They think it's just, oh, ball goes right to the goalie. Nothing happens. We move on. Yeah, it was a lively nil-nil draw. Lots of chances that weren't finished. Uh, keep your eye on the young striker for Colorado, Darren Yappy. He hasn't gotten on the board yet, but he looks very lively. Had one called off for an offside. It wasn't him that was offside. Uh, he looks good, so I'm going to keep an eye on him. We'll have to keep a note of that, although we don't, we're don't, we not in the, in the market for a striker. We have one that is, as quoted by MLS Season Pass, Looks like a deer getting out of a car. I still don't understand why they said that, but that was Taylor hey, Twelman. It, it's Taylor Twelman. He's the home. He's the hometown boy, but at the same time, he's still gonna say some ridiculous stuff. Uh, David Goss on extra time called Klaus the best physical forward in MLS after two matches. There's a little hyperbole for you as well. I don't know if I'd call that hyperbole so much as just extrapolation from the small data set, but... Hyperbole comes from small data sets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for a statistics course. We're not into statistics courses. What do you think we're out here talking about? XG every third second of the podcast? No. I did take statistic courses, though. Oh, I did, too. I, I, I mean, I have a psychology degree. Statistics was my thing. 
But anyway, moving f all the way out west to the coast, we've got two more games for you. We'll go ahead and start off with the San Jose Earthquakes playing host the, to the Vancouver Whitecaps. The Whitecaps take a very early lead. I want to say it was about the 18th minute, 15th, 18th minute. Um, but then San Jose Earthquakes, they really fight back and had some really good chances. Jeremy Abobasi had been knocking on the do on the door all night, finally makes it on the board and opens his account this season. And Acapo gets the winner, a strong contender for goal of the week. But if it weren't for Taylor's goal, I think this one might have won it. It easily could have been 3-1 or 4-1 for the Quakes if they just had a little bit more finishing on them. But we can get into that a little bit more next week. Yeah, and uh, the Quakes look quite good so far. Uh, I'd be much more afraid of Portland if they hadn't given up on Jeremy Abobasi, to be quite honest. Uh, and, uh, of course, after the Portland match, St. Louis will come home and take on San Jose Earthquakes, so we'll get a chance to see how good they actually are. They made some trades and brought in some people this offseason. They look so, so much better and coherent than they did last year. And moving on to our last game, this one was probably the easiest one to predict and bet on if you're a betting man. Larry, I'm talking to you. Um, Seattle Sounders were hosting RSL, and they end up winning 2-0 up there. RSL really seemed to be trying to park that bus, but Sounders came through with wrenches and such and tore that bus apart. Uh, Jordan Morris, or Jomo as I like to call him, is having himself a fantastic start to the year. And it looks like NYCFC must be really kicking themselves in the pants for letting Nebert go right now because he scored the other goal for them. And the, the Sounders, the Death Star rolls on. Yep. The return of the Sounders look so good so far. Again, small sample size. But uh, they just made RSL look terrible, terrible in this match. Uh, Sounders got something rolling. Kind of saw hints of it when they played in the Club World Cup, but they didn't have a time to get everything together. Um, they look good, very good so far. Um, so Mike, that, did uh, uh, did your favorite player happen to make it into this match? Your boy Raul Rui Diaz? He was in late, so he is back. He got a late uh, run on. That'll be on something that, to keep an eye on injury. for when we end up playing Raul later this year. Rui Diaz. Mostly I like rolling my R's when I say his name. That's the reason why I like him so much. Uh, but uh, that's what we have for MLS this week. Uh, you can keep your eye. CONCACAF Champions League is going on. We've already seen three matches. Austin should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, Orlando should be proud of a draw against Tigres, and Union couldn't score. There's still a couple of more matches to go this week. We hope to give you a full roundup on Sun um, our next episode, whenever we record it. But that's all we got this week, and I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.